This morning, I want to talk to you about our series. We're going to title called Restoring Joy. Restoring Joy. And this morning, I really just want to talk to you about catching the joy. And we're going to go into what is joy and all that in the next few weeks. But uh, catching the joy. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Father, God, help me to speak only what, for you, what I have to speak that you've given me. Lord, let me not speak anything, Lord, that is, that is not with you. And God, open our ears to hear, Father, that bless this moment, sanctify, O oh God. God, that we just want to be in step with your spirit in Jesus' name. Catch the joy. Have you got the joy? Catch the joy. I was 17 years old when I led my first person personally to the Lord. Now, I had invited people to church before, and I had friends come. But the first time I actually led someone one-on-one to the Lord was when I was 17 years old. I, had been, uh, I was a very shy, quiet, inward, introverted kid, and I had been witnessing as in living the life in front of uh, this very popular, goofy, uh, Chris Farley figure, if anybody knows who that is, right? And in high school, everybody loved him. He was outgoing and funny, and uh, he would jokingly pick on me because, man, I didn't do all the things that he did and party and drink and things. And, uh, but behind all of the laughter, man, nobody knew that at night, man, he really was weeping. And, and despite all the popularity that he had and how everyone was just drawn to this kid, he was so lonely, no one would have ever guessed it. And it was late one night, I had come home early from a Sunday night service uh, and drove myself home, and, and I got on, we, back then kids, we had this thing called MSN Messenger, which is like Facebook Messenger, and uh, I was on that, and he got online, you know, you see the name pop up, and I began to talk with him, and I had been kind of poking him about the Lord. Man, I wasn't bold. I, mean, I didn't know how, I didn't know the Roman road, I didn't know how to witness, I didn't know very many Bible verses. I was just a church kid. I sat on the back row, and in our charismatic church that we had, I poked fun at all the people that went crazy. And, you know, I really wasn't the good Christian kid. But this moment changed me. And as I began to just feel the Lord, I've been praying, God, I want to be better. And no desire to go to ministry whatsoever. No desire to speak in front of people whatsoever. Uh, in fact, I never did that. I was nervous. had to take Pepto-Bismol just to take speech class, right? And I began to talk to him, and he began to pour his heart out about a divorce in his family and just where he was at, and nobody would have known. And I said, you know, would you just call me? That's what you need to do is give your life to the Lord. He called me on my little Nokia, no flip phone, you know, right, and where you had to hit the buttons to text multiple times, you know, A, 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 you know, whatever, 111B, two, you know. Uh, he called me in my mom and dad's basement. And I talked to him on the phone, and I didn't know what to say. I just let him, and what I knew the pastors had said before, that sinner's prayer that I'd heard so many times. He was weeping, I was weeping, and he that night gave his heart to the Lord. And I hung up the phone, and let me tell you, I was, I'm not a, I'm not a very expressive person, okay? I began, nobody's in the house, so it wouldn't matter. I began to jump. And to shout, I went over there and stood on my bed, and I was like, thank you, Lord, thank you. I mean, just excited. This is one of the most popular kids in that grade. And he gave his life to the Lord. Let me tell you something. 
There is no joy like when you have personally invested yourself in someone, personally leading that person to Jesus Christ. No joy like it. And that, that just changed me. It would go years down the road, and that young kid, he was about 18 years old. He would die at 32 years old from cancer, but he would still be serving Jesus. I didn't know that. But that would change. He would, he would later write me an email and tell me I'd be his little Jiminy Cricket whenever he started going back the wrong way, and he would respect me more than, than I ever would know. And a good friend of mine was also his friend, and before he passed away in, in St. Louis, Missouri, was able to make sure and go up there with him. Uh, but it was that moment. There's no joy like leading someone to Jesus. But the problem I see today in the American church specifically is so many joyless Christians. Uh, just like the world, uh, many in the church are depressed, spiritually weak and overwhelmed. We're too busy and anxious over so many petty problems. And we ask questions like this, does God love me? How come I'm not blessed? What about me, God? And for the last decade or two, I've been asked often, and I hear it asked so many times, how come we don't see revival? How come we don't see the moves of God we used to see in the you know, 60s and 70s and, and 80s or even the 20s? How come we don't see what we used to see? The word joy, it means gladness. It means a cry of praise or exultation. But the opposite of joy you know, this is not sorrow and is not grief. The opposite of joy is self-centeredness. The opposite of joy is the question, what about me? The opposite of joy is inwardly focusing because joy is not something that you find inside of yourself or from yourself. Joy is caught by God. Joy is caught by Christ. For instance, our joy as a Christian is this. It is found in your victory in Christ. It's then found in your identity in Christ. And the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's the product of the Holy Spirit living within you. It does not say that your joy becomes your strength or that your joy is your strength. It says who? The joy of who? The Lord. It's the Lord's joy, not your joy. It's the Lord's joy that becomes the strength of the Christian life. So how do you get the Lord's joy? That's what I want to talk to you this morning about. How do you catch the joy of the Lord? Are you with me? Somebody say amen. amen. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. If you want to be a church that looks like heaven, you must do two things. And this is what I want you to remember today. You must seek and you must celebrate. If you want to be a church or a Christian that looks like heaven, the church that looks like heaven, it seeks and it celebrates. Let's look at these two stories real quick in Luke chapter 15, verse 1. It says this, Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him, Jesus, to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable, saying this, verse 4, so he's looking at the Pharisees, and they're grumbling, right? But here's what he does. He turns, and he looks to the common people. 
And he points at them. He says this to the common people. Now, what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep, which is a normal size flock, and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture to go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Everybody say, rejoicing. He lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And then when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Look at the second story. He says, Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me. Everybody say rejoice. Rejoice with me. For I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So Jesus tells three parables. He says, there's a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Now, you'll remember the prodigal son. Pastor Christian taught on it last week about that father who looked diligently every day for his lost son. And when he was come home, met him halfway, put sandals, a robe, a ring, slaughtered the best family cow that he had, and came home. And what did he do? He called his servants and he said, Rejoice with me. Here's a party for my son who was lost but now has been found. And he tells these three stories. And in the first, he says, Which man among you, common people, these shepherd folk, and this would have been, the, remember, the shepherds were at that time one of the dirtiest, lowest class people for, for his, in the uh, regard of the religious elite because you, you dealt with dirty animals, okay? And it wasn't holy and you had to be purified and all this stuff. So he comes to common people and he says, which one of you, as a normal shepherd, wouldn't you do this? Every shepherd would do this. You leave your 99 safe in the sheepfold in the open pasture. They're safe. And probably you had under shepherds to watch them. But which one of you good shepherds, of course you are all are good shepherds, wouldn't you leave the 99 to go find that one lost sheep? And what do you do when you grab it? You have to make sure sheep doesn't always want to go everywhere. You grab it, you put it on his shoulders, and that shepherd would be rejoicing all the way back home, not like the little pig, but he would rejoice all the way home. And when he got home, he would say, hey, let's look to my other shepherds. Man, isn't it so wonderful? I found it. Because why? A sheep outside of the shepherd has no value, right? That's not, that sheep can't be sheared. It can't give him any produce. It can't feed his family. It can't be sold at market. Out there alone in the dark ravini cliffs of the Judean desert, it will die, be lost, and be no more. It'll be given to the wolves. So rejoice with me because this is food on my family's table. The sheep has now been restored to its rightful place, and it has value again. And he says to what? Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. And, and he looks at him and he says, Now, if a man would rejoice over a sheep, how much more do you think your heavenly good shepherd rejoices over the lost when they've been found? If you can thank the Lord for a sheep, and if you can get your friends together and say, Hey, rejoice with me. I found this woolly, dirty, wandering, aimless, ugly animal. How much more do you think God values and seeks 
and celebrates a lost soul made in his image. How much more does the heavenly father? He says, let's go on. What about a woman? In the Jewish culture, uh, these drachmas, which were worth one day's wage, there was ten of them, often was on a headdress, and it would be ten coins. Kind of like, ladies, your diamond ring today that your husband bought you, and maybe you have ten diamonds on it, okay? Um, or one, that's okay, he's, he's still worth it. Uh, you know, you have your diamond ring on it. And he says, she lost one of those rings. It was a symbol of her marriage. And ladies, if you've ever lost a diamond ring before, probably you have because maybe you didn't go to Hellsburg or Zales and get it renewed and cleaned, you know, like you're supposed to every year. You lost one. What woman wouldn't try to find it if she thought it was in her jewelry box or her bedroom and turn the lights on? And he says, what, what Jewish woman wouldn't get a lamp and look under the bed and sweep under the, the, you know, the curtains and find the dirty places and, and bring it all out and say, where is it? Where is it? And what woman wouldn't call her best friend or her sister and say, whoo, he didn't find out. I found it before he came home. Wouldn't you celebrate with you? Man, you're happy because that ring has no value under the bed. That coin has no value. But when it's in the right place, it has value, it has meaning, it has purpose. And if a lady, if a woman, an earthly woman can rejoice over a gem, over a stone, how much more do you think God, the heavenly husband, the good husband, is seeking and searching? And when he finds, how much more he celebrates than an earthly person. And even he goes on to the, good, the father, he says, how much more? If a father, an earthly father, he says, you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. If, if you, you being evil men and evil women, sinful people, will rejoice in a wayward, rebellious son coming home, how much more does your heavenly good father rejoice when you came home and souls came home? And how much more does he celebrate? How much more does he celebrate than you celebrate? And Jesus was telling this to the religious because they didn't understand a God who seeks and a God who celebrates. And the verse, look in this one verse, because this is what I want you to take home this morning. That we have a God who seeks and a God who celebrates. And in Luke 19, Jesus had already told, uh, tells them, he says, For a son of man has come to seek and to save which was lost. That those who are lost without God have no value they, are, they have no purpose. They have no identity. They're uh, captive to the dark ravine of this world, ready to be devoured by the enemy. They've been lost and without a purpose. They're not in the right position. And then they've been in rebellion. But when they come home, when they come home, not only has God sought for them and sought for them and sent His only begotten Son, the beauty, the rose of Sharon, to, to, on this earth to seek and save the lost, God is searching. He's, he's got the light. That, think about that woman going under the bed with that candle. What did he say? That the light of the, the world. I am the light. Jesus has come to shine in the darkest places and say, who belongs to God? Who belongs to God? Because if you know me, I, if, you, if I'm out there in the ravine, he says, my sheep, when I shine the light and I come to that dark ravining corner, my sheep know my voice. They come to me and I'm going to take them home. I provide the way to get back to the good shepherd, right? So Jesus seeks. He celebrates. He celebrates. God seeks and he celebrates. And while the religious were complaining about all these people Jesus was hanging out with, 
Jesus said that God was celebrating. Look at that verse. He says, I tell you, there is more joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. He basically says that all heaven is standing still when that happens. He even goes on, he says, that there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. That verse, I studied that verse out, it says there's joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. As a person who grew up in church, I used to think that this was the angels rejoicing over people who got saved. That is true. But if you get into the original text of it and you look at the context, what happened? He said the shepherds celebrated, and then when he got all the way back to the sheepfold, he called his friends and said, celebrate with me. And the woman, when she found it, she celebrated. But when she got to uh, call in her friend, she said, celebrate with me. And when the good father ran and got his son, he celebrated with his son all the way back home. But when he got home, what did he do? He threw a party. He said, celebrate with me. So Jesus is telling us something. It's not the angels who are celebrating. It's God. It's God. So what is happening in heaven? You know what happens in heaven when someone gets saved, someone comes to an altar, makes it a, a plea to God in their bedroom, right on the street corner or across the world. God gets up there and he says, Ooh, buddy, my son has sought them. He's found them. I'm celebrating. And when God gets up into heaven, he's coming to the angels. He says, hey, 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 look over here. Look over here. Celebrate with me. Celebrate with me. So the angels catch the joy of God who is celebrating over the lost. Your father up in heaven, it's like his joy is contagious. And he wants, he says, it's a joy that I'm not supposed to keep just in myself. He's like, I've got to share my joy. Who's around me? Who's over here? Let me call somebody. Hey, Gabriel, come over here. Celebrate with me. My boy, my girl just came home. Let's have a party. Throw, get the organ, pop up those trumpets. Come on, somebody celebrate with me. All of heaven erupt with me that one of my children has come home. God seeks and he celebrates and he's looking for someone to catch the joy, to catch the joy of what he is all about. Church, if you want to be a church that looks like heaven, you must seek and celebrate with the father because he's seeking true worshipers to worship in spirit and in truth, he's look, if he's looking to the angels and he's saying, guys, where are you at? Come on, somebody just came to the altar in Gina, Louisiana, all of heaven. Let's catch the joy. Somebody celebrate with me. Celebrate with me. How valuable God sees a lost soul. But what about me? If you are a parent... And you have young kids, which I do, two of them. You've probably had this conversation when you go to someone else's birthday party. Right? Know where I'm going with this? What about my birthday? Where's my present? 
well, honey, you just had your birthday a few months ago, and, and this is so-and-so's birthday, and that's their presents. You know, you've got all those presents at home, or maybe your birthday's next month. Okay, but today, you ever had, you know, you go to a kid's party, guess what happens? They all want to open the presents together. Oh, I'm just going to help you. Yeah, you over there, open it behind the table. What are you doing? You're not helping somebody. You know, I mean, right? Because as a, as a little kid, that nature in us is, what about me? Where's my present? Where's my present? And I'll be honest, when I, when I read the verse as a young person about a, a shepherd who leaves the 99 and goes to the one, I'm thinking, what's up with that? What happened to the 99, dude? You're just going to leave them? What about me? You're going to just leave all these people? What happens if something happens to us? You're out there looking for one. Isn't it better to have 99 and lose one? He wanted off anyway. He deserves it. I mean, let him go, man. There's 99 of us right here. 99 versus one. Let's, let's weigh the scales here. How many sheep do you want to have? One or 99? Because what if we gone when you come back? I mean, that's the things that you think in your head. What about me? Even as a as a parent who has two kids, you know sometimes you celebrate your children. You love your kids both, I hope, right? But you love them probably differently, and you can celebrate them differently. And you may have had to have that conversation, those of you who are older than I am, where you have had that conversation, I still love you, but I really need to take a picture of just your brother or your sister right now. You can't be in this, but this is for some special. I, I've got tons of pictures of you I need to have at least one of your little sister, okay? I might have had that conversation this week. But, you know, i got to have at least, i got a thousand of you. I need to have another of them, okay? But I love you just because I'm celebrating them doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means today is their birthday. Can we celebrate them too, right? And I think about that. You know, jealousy means to envy, to covet, to desire something that someone else has. It leads to suspicion. It leads to the distrust of others, to doubt and insecurity of yourself even. Does God love me? Does he care about me? Maybe he likes them more. Even defensiveness of what you have. This is my church. This is my pew. I've, had, I've been to churches before. You don't sit in somebody else's pew. Lord, help you. You're going to hear it, right? We don't have that here, thank the Lord. But distrust, suspicion, envy, who are these people coming into our church? What, are that, what is that person doing here? Where are they at? What are, what's going on there? Did someone post they got saved? Oh, I don't know if they really are. We'll see. Right? What about me? It's the same question that older son of the prodigal asked when his daddy brought that wayward, rebellious son home who squandered his dad's inheritance. And he came home and he saw that his dad was celebrating he says, Dad, what about me? Have I not been faithful? What about my party? When's my birthday? Where's my gifts? Look what Jesus says in Luke 15, 31. He said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. And was lost and has been found. Does the shepherd love the 99 less than the one? Does the woman who lost one gold coin love the nine less? 
No. She would seek and search for any of the coins that were lost. Just because she's searching for the one that was lost does not mean she doesn't value the nine she kept in the jewelry box. Just because the shepherd is looking for the one does not mean he doesn't value the 99 he kept safely. Just because the father was looking and searching for the wayward, rebellious son doesn't mean he doesn't love his faithful, oldest son. And just because I threw a birthday party for my youngest daughter does not mean I don't love my oldest daughter as well. Right? Just because God is searching for a wayward person doesn't mean he's forsaken us. But yet, Christians, we can ask things like, well, God, where are you? I'm alone right now, Lord. I don't hear you. You're not answering me. God, what about me? Where did you go? What about my needs, Father? And we can wonder, God, where are you? why aren't you moving in our churches? God, where is revival in America? God, where is the blessing and power? Lord, how come I'm not sensing your presence in our services in America? God, where are you in my family? Where are you in my needs? And why don't we see God moving so strongly? Have you ever thought and stopped to consider that a God who knows that the time is very near for his soon return, has left the 99 to go look for the one. God, how come you're not moving like you've done in ages past? God, where are you in my needs? God, where are you in my difficulties? God, where are you in my troubles? He says, I've got you. You're safe in my son. But you don't know the time that's upon us. I'm looking for the one. I'm looking for the one church because, you know, miracles happen on mission. Miracles happen when you're on mission and joy happens when you're in Jesus. And where is Jesus? He's looking for the one. He's looking for the one. Maybe today the reason so many Christians are joyless and not enjoying their relationship with God is because they are not seeking with Him and not celebrating with Him. You know, when I was in college ministry, I was a freshman, and uh, I came to this ministry, and they got me involved and got me plugged in. And the pastor, man, it was just impacted my life. The pastor started taking me out to lunch. Uh, I went to the, I never went to the movies with the pastor in my life. I thought that was sacrilegious, you know, when I was growing up. But I, I went, I went to the movies with him. He invited me over to his house, me and a bunch of guys. And man, I had the close, close relationship with my pastor. Talked to me every week, checked in on me, encouraged me, spoke things over my life, prophesied over me, gave me opportunity for ministry all of my first year of college. You know what happened next year? He passed me on to another staff member. And that staff member was cool, and he was a good guy and all, but I kind of felt, you know, dissed. I was like, what happened here? Man, I was your best bud. I was in your small group. You were calling me. I was going out to lunch. Now you, you're telling me to go eat lunch with this guy every week. What about me? You know what I learned later? That was his strategy for reaching young people. He would go out, find young people he saw had promise in the ministry and the Lord, He would pour everything he had into them, and he would put them in the sheepfold. Hey, staff pastor, take this kid. 
I'm going out for more. He'd go out and he'd get a new batch of freshman guys. And he'd meet with them and lunch with them and challenge them and spur them on. He'd take them and he'd put them over here. And he'd say, you, now you're going to meet with him. Isn't that what Jesus does? What about me, though, God? Where are you at? I think if we were having potlucks today and Jesus was invited, it would look a lot different. Jesus even said, when you throw a party, don't invite your friends. Invite the strangers, the poor, the outcast. And if you were to go to a party today, chances are, if you being a church person, a Christian, you wouldn't even get to talk to Jesus at that church potluck. Why? Because all around him, he'd have lost people. If he'd have lost people, you wouldn't even get a chance to talk to him. And you'd probably go to that potluck and you'd say, can you believe it? Jesus didn't even talk to me at that church function. My gosh. And I pay my tithes here. I serve in the worship team. I, I teach Sunday school. You know all the things I do for that church. And Jesus doesn't even give me the time of day when I come into that place. What about me? You see, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about him. And it's all about them. God is seeking someone to celebrate. He's seeking someone to celebrate. Two things I want you to take home with me today before we close is this. Number one is, Christian, you've got to learn to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in God. That means remembering this. Like I would tell my daughter, like the father told the, the good son, Son, all I have is yours. You can have lunch with me, supper with me, any day of the week. You can commune with me at night before bed. We can talk until the, the cows come home. You know, at night we can turn off that Netflix and me and you can commune. And everything I have, my son has died for you. I've opened the floodgates of heaven over you. I've provided healing power, Holy Ghost power, joy, mercy, love, gladness. It's all yours. It's all yours. And everything I've purchased through my son is yours. You can talk to me anytime. But just because I'm out there seeking the lost doesn't mean I don't love you. Your victory and joy is in Jesus. You have joy because of his victory. You have joy because of his identity now that you've got your mind. And you have joy, church, today because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, which is joy. And my joy, church, is now your strength. And so, church, you should be secure that you're my child. Somebody say amen to that. You're my child. So, church, we've got to be joyful in what we already have in the Lord. I shouldn't be empty. I shouldn't be weak. I shouldn't be depressed. I should be confident that Jesus Christ has died for me, that I am a child of the Most High God. I have access into the presence of the Holy Spirit. Devil, you've got no hold on me. Grave ain't going to hold me down, right? I am overcoming in Jesus Christ. So I've got joy. My joy is in the Lord. As a church, we've got to find our identity and victory in Christ and be secure in his love. Remember, it's the same father who went to go after the lost son is the same father who went to plead with his faithful son to come celebrate. I believe Jesus is looking for a church that he says, church, 
would you celebrate with me? Once you find that you've got everything that God has to offer you, you have need of nothing else. Listen to me. Sometimes we are asking God for things He has already provided in Jesus Christ. God, where's my hope? God, where's my joy? God, where's my peace? God, where's my patience? He says, I've already paid for it. You have to believe it and receive it. Just believe it and receive it. Sometimes it means changing our attitudes and behaviors so that we can position ourselves, that we can receive the fullness. But you have to believe that, no, 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 no. Heaven has provided all things to me that I need for Jesus Christ. My joy is in the Lord, not my circumstances, not another person, not a spouse, not a job, not this economy, not anything else, whether it be height, death, angels, principalities, or powers, I know nothing can separate me from his love. My joy is in the Lord. Somebody say amen. So now guess what? Because I'm confident in who I am in Christ. I'm not jealous of a lost person or jealous of a younger brother. I don't care if it's my birthday party or not. I can celebrate with him. I can celebrate with him. So you rejoice in God, and lastly is this, you rejoice with God. I get the heart of the Father. I stop being jealous about other people. I'm not self-righteous in my attitude. I'm no longer self-focused. Remember I said the opposite of joy is self-focused. I can have communion with God now, and then when he, sees a, when he draws a person in, he turns not just to the angels. He can turn to a church, and Gene Louisiana says, guys, let's celebrate. Let's catch the joy. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. And how do you do that? My challenge to you is this. When a person comes into our church, or even at your workplace or your family, and they've changed their life, they've come to Jesus Christ, you know what you do? They come in here, whether they've been addicted to drugs, they they got a reputation in our town, they they may be tattooed up, they may have piercings out the wazoo, right? They 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 may have all the you may know everything they've ever done. They may have track marks up their arms. They they may not they may be a young person who lives differently, votes differently, acts differently. You know what you do? You say, Man, I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm so glad you're here. Man, I want to speak life over you. God's got big plans for you. You don't know what God's going to do in your life. When you come to church on a Wednesday night at Sanctuary and you see uh, 50, per, 50 students and kids in our, in our fellowship hall eating one of our student suppers, you come around them, you hug them, you say, man, I'm so glad you're here. I know that you don't have parents that would bring you, but you came. Many of you walked here in the cold and the dark, and you were willing to come despite all the abuse in your life, despite people speaking negativity over you, despite not having a dad or a mom, or your mom's whacked out on drugs right now on the couch, and she didn't want to have you here today, and she told you to get out and go to church because I'm so glad you're here. I celebrate you. I rejoice over you. That happens every Wednesday night at Sanctuary. We have parents in this community that don't care if their two-year-old kid comes with another 12-year-old kid, gets them out of the house so they can do what they want to do. But when they come into that church, church, we got to be a church that celebrates that seeks the lost and celebrates that God in all of heaven is rejoicing. And he's saying, God, who's going to catch the joy? You want to know where your joy is? It comes from getting it from the Lord. And he's trying to give it when every time one of those young people comes in, he says, man, despite all the odds, man, they're coming home. 
They're coming home. Celebrate recovery. This last week, we were able to hear a testimony of one of our own church members. Man, just to celebrate what God is doing in and among us. Seek, celebrate, catch the joy. Worship team, would you come?